on SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. Oh, good morning to you. It is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Andrew Hayes. Great to have your company this morning. Uh, the text line's open, 0427 154 166. Gibbs is in. G'day, Bryce. Hello, Andrew. How you feeling today? Oh, do you know what? The struggle continues. Uh, this is uh, your shoulder. I'm You've got a nice shoulder. little sling. I'm talking shoulder. Um, so I've gone from obviously being bedridden for a week mm-hmm. at home um, and the struggles that come with that, You're brushing your teeth. Yep. Wiping your backside, um, you know, <laughs> cutting your food up for dinner. Of course. Uh, I'm back in the office, back to uh, Panther Park. You didn't get much uh, time off, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, but that's okay. Someone's got to, uh, someone's got to keep the, uh, the footy factory going at the Panthers. Mm. Um, so I've gone from that to mouse on your computer. Mm. You've got your mouse right next to you. Yes. Grab your opposite hand, try and give it a bit of a wiggle. So <laughs> It doesn't feel natural. It's not natural at all. It's 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 flaring all over the place. It it is frustrating. Whiteboard, what writing with the opposite hand on the right whiteboard. It's just the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. What I've found as well that I'm very, very right handed with a lot of things. So many other things. I mean, we probably can't go into the finer details of what you've had to get used to, but um it's a journey to say the least, I'm assuming. It is, it is. Mm. and I'm learning about myself. Each and every day, uh, but we'll continue to uh, get better. That's all we can do. Just take it one step at a time and keep on learning. Big show coming up. Big weekend as well. Crows taking on the Eagles today, which they have to win, obviously. Um, Crows supporters get involved because we're going to do a bit of a mid-season report card. For both the Crows and for Port Adelaide, we want to get you involved via the uh, phone lines as well. Oh, for, oh, sorry, one 736 736 We're going to speak to Josh Jenkins, one of your old teammates, just after 10 o'clock. JJ, see what he's up to. Looking forward to speaking to Josh, actually. He uh, loves uh, to have a say on most things, and he's, he's across everything. So it'll be interesting to uh, chat to him later. Very outspoken. He love his work, outspoken. JJ. He just is. speaks his mind. That's what we love. <laughs> it's very good. We had him on for SENSA in the first part of the show, of its inception three and a half years ago. He was part of our talent and just great. At one stage, we were having about three or four cameras and every time he spoke, <laughs> such was that was coming out of his mouth. I dare say you could probably remember some of the things he was saying. Yeah, no, I know where you're going with that. Um, <laughs> he's great. No, he's, he, he's not short of a word mm. and uh, we'll ask him some, uh, some big questions later, no doubt. Very good stuff. Tommy Lyons in, the guy who um, leads us to the promised land. G'day, Tommy. Oh, good morning to you both. I'm just looking at <clears throat> at Gibber over the table and he's wearing one of those beanies that goes down to the ear but no lower. What is the purpose of it? Does it still it's keep your head point. warm? Mm, it's so, fashion. So I can put my headphones on doing radio this morning. <laughs> Very practical. <laughs> you, you, you so when you leave, when you leave the studio, does the beanie go over the years? You just fold it down, yeah. Right, okay. Ah, Hot no, topics okay, this morning. You've changed me now. I'm okay. going to get one. Um, last night, big uh, contentious one from the Bulldogs game. Mm. Bailey Smith uh, with a headbutt on, on Zach Tui. Mm, you want to have a listen? Very solid. Another little headbutt there from Bailey Smith. I'm not sure whether it made contact oh, or not. Bailey Smith has been reported here. Wow, we a little split on the forehead as well, but here it is. See the initial. Oh boy, goodness <laughs> gracious me! That's nice. Some nice little BT isms. Oh boy, oh boy, indeed. <laughs> Bailey Smith's in trouble. Big trouble. Mm. It, it didn't look good at all, did it? Mm. Um, it looked like he was provoked a little bit. It looked like Tui gave him a, a, a really tiny headbutt, but then yeah. 
Bailey sort of snapped and saw red and give him a nice one, which left a mark on to his forehead. I think mm. you could see it on the on the vision. So, um, yeah, it doesn't look good for old Bailey. Yeah, he's going to get at least a couple of weeks. And if Buddy gets a week for not even there wasn't even absolute concrete evidence that he punched Cochin in the face because you couldn't actually see the connection. So I don't know if it was open hand or close handed. Um, this has genuinely left a mark via a headbutt. Two weeks minimum. I think there's more. Is really? there a, yeah. a refer a reference point like someone else who's headbutted someone? Well, I thought Barry Hall might have headbutted <laughs> someone course. at some stage uh, <laughs> over the journey, which we could have gone off. But um, what did Barry Hall do? Is that your go-to <laughs> when you look at a tribunal incident? <laughs> well, he set a good precedent for a lot of things uh, over the over the journey. So, um, yeah, don't hold me to that. But yeah, I, I think he's up for a little bit more than than two weeks. Bailey Smith's headbutt at three-quarter time. How many weeks? How are you assessing it? 0427 154 166. Uh, probably the other talking point is, I mean, where are the Bulldogs at? And are the Cats the real deal? Because right at the start, you thought, here we go. The Cats are going to win this by 100 points. And in the Bulldogs clawed their way back, Jeremy Cameron. I mean, that guy's pretty amazing. But just still, for whatever reason, not quite convinced about the Cats. Should I be? I think you need to be. Um, it was, it's like, it was an eight-point game. Last night, those sort of teams are around, you know, that eighth to sixth, seventh uh, sort of mark. So every game in that those teams play are worth double, I reckon, this time of year. And they've got some troops to come back, the Cats, after the bye now. So they go into the bye, they get, you know, Dangerfield. Um, there's a host of other guys, good players out of their starting 22 coming back in. Mm -hmm. So they could actually do some damage. Yeah, geez, it's, um, it's strange. Uh, the Cats, well, they're just sort of hanging around. The Bulldogs, Bulldogs and all sorts. And people straight away after Port Adelaide were zero and five that start. They had written off Port. Now it's about whether they can they claw their way back and get into finals contention. But I don't know where the Bulldogs are at. They're sort of lingering around this spot where are they going to be relevant in September? Well, if they're going to do any damage, they can't start the way they did last night. Um, that's that's where they lost the game, forty mm, points yep. down in the first quarter, I think it was. And you know, to their credit, they did claw back and their second and third quarter was pretty good. They played some very good footy and um, probably just ran out a bit of puff um, in the last quarter. But, um, you know, all their, you know, Bailey Smith, uh, we just spoke about his headbutt, but he has been one of their shining lights and, mm. and he had a pretty good game again last night. But you look at Bontempelli, he's, yep. he's down on form and um, he's got an AC joint problem, which is slowing him down, which we learnt last night. But, um, yeah, they're just, uh, they're going to have to get going pretty quick, mm. I reckon. Hey, Tommy, just before we uh, let you go and you uh, take all the uh, mm. vast amount of calls that are just flowing in, I can see them just lighting up just as we speak. Lighting up the mm. entire screen there. <laughs> I've, I've got to get to those. 1300 736 736, bit of housekeeping. So you're a genuine muso. Mm. And for all those people that are like, oh, Tommy Lyon, I just want to get around him. I'm just going to get him on Instagram, T O M L O N. No, you won't get him. T H O M. T H, yeah. For Tom. Take us through that because that, it's almost like. To, uh, to hom. To, to hom to or, or hom. thom? Thom, yeah. Thom, thom, thommy line? It was, it was a simple thing for uh, posters. The thom, four letters, matched up with the lion, four yep. letters. And, oh. um, yeah, it just worked aesthetically uh, on, on those posters. But um, that's how it goes. Hey, I've just got to let everyone know as well, the, the Bureau of Meteorology have oh just released a code blue. So for the people of Adelaide, just be careful out there because it's top of 16 today, but there's going to be a lot of heavy rain, uh, big northwesterly winds as well. So uh, code blue means that if you're living rough, that they're opening up doors for 
all of those people to um, to go live for a few days because it's going to be extreme. So get ready for unbelievable weather today. If you're going along to the football, get involved this morning, 0427154166. Well done to you because you're a much braver person than I would be. I'd be an absolute pussycat if there's even the slightest hint of any water coming out of the sky. I don't want to see football. I don't want to go to football. I don't want to play football. If you win the toss, kick with the wind today. <laughs> Upwards of 60 kilometre gusts, I'm told. You win the Wowie. toss, kick with it. Oh. So weather, what sort of weather, does that suit the Eagles today? I mean, obviously the Crows go in as favourites. Just the second time this year they've gone in against favourites. We know what happened last time. That happened was against the Giants a few weeks ago. They need to win this and win this well. Can the Eagles cause an upset? Because you look at their team on paper, they're still stacked. Yeah, well, we'll obviously dive into it um, shortly, but you'd think the Crows should get it done. As you just mentioned, they, they haven't coped with the favourite tag uh, very well this year. But if you're on the West Coast side of the ball, this is an actual winnable game for them in, in their eyes. They'll think they'll be able to win today. So it's going to be intriguing to see how it goes. The weather will probably help West Coast slow the, the game down a bit and make it a bit more of a scrap. But, um, yeah, both both teams desperately need a win. Yeah, big time. Uh, text line 0427154166. Put it out there. How many weeks should Bailey Smith get? After his little three-quarter time head, but this one from Phil Boyce, Bailey Smith's penalty should be two weeks, a buzz cut and a shave. Um, he's definitely getting, he's definitely getting some weeks. We know that. Uh, this one from Brett, knowing the inconsistent, nonsensical AFL tribunal, it's Bailey Smith, Western Bulldogs headbutting, five thousand dollar fine and a pat on the bum. <laughs> That's a good text, Brett. If Buddy Franklin's getting weeks for incidents like that, then Bailey Smith's definitely getting weeks. So what we learnt last week is that there are no favourites if Buddy's still getting in trouble. Yeah, well, that's that's 100% right. So, um, yeah, I think Bailey, he can have a bit of a spell and work on his Instagram and whatever he, he does then in that space because uh, he does that pretty well, I think, Ooh, from all reports. Doesn't he? I think he's the most followed football or an Instagram, something like that. Is it, is it over 300K or something ridiculous? I'd have to have a look. I haven't checked for a while, but... Uh, you love your we'll, social media. We'll get up, we'll, in the break, I'll get on and have a look for you. Hey, what I will say is that uh, on Bryce Gibbs's Twitter, at least his Twitter handle, bit of an update, which is nice. I think you were sitting, you were probably a Carlton footballer for the best part of 15 years I on there. I hadn't changed that for a long time. And then finally, we've got ex-Carlton slash Adelaide football, husband, father, brother, that's nice. You like that? It's really nice. Thank you. Instagram, Bryce Gibbsy 4. And then the big one, a little microphone, <laughs> Saturday mornings. Yes. With 1629SENSA. Very good yes, stuff. thank you. And then a nice little plug for Adidas. Yep. Still on board. Still on board. There you go. So that means you're uh, absolutely on board with us. We're heading in the right direction. There's a future. And now you're a genuine media guy. Okay. We can confirm it. Can <laughs> confirm. So stop bagging the other right, media guys, all right? And maybe be a bit more honest in our group chats, which we spoke about last week. You're that guy. Okay. You are that guy. All right, that text line, 0427154166. Plenty of texts coming through nice and early. The footy last night, Bailey Smith, how much trouble is he in? Did not look good and left a mark on Zach Tui's forehead. Uh, it is 8.45. You are listening to Saturday's NSA with Bryce Gibbs and Andrew Hayes. Just a quick heads up. Tommy came in before said it's going to be torrential rain on the way. Code blue. Whatever that means. I'm only aware of code red, but code blue can't be good. On SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. 
Saturdays in SA, yes. Make sure you're checking out the all-new Audi A3 and S3 have arrived. To find out more, visit audisolitaire.com.au. Uh, texts are flowing in, 0427154166. This one from Dracos. Good morning to you, great man. Great contributor across uh, all SENSA shows. He said, three-plus weeks, surely, for Bailey. Thoughts? Three-plus, that's pretty heavy. But it is a headbutt. It's probably... It was, an, it was intentional. It was... The impact was, left a mark on his forehead. It, and the AFL don't want that sort of look in the game. So I'm thinking, yeah, three, four. Tell me price, tell me sweet little price. Pretty sick of talking about it, to be honest. Tell me price. Just an opportunity to tap into the uh, inner minds of someone who's been to the top. For a long time, stayed there for a long time as well, just to get a bit of um, insight into some of these situations that a lot of us don't get the opportunity to go into. Um, first round picks. Now, currently at the Crows and Port Adelaide, there's a lot of first round picks. Jeez, there's a lot of pressure on them. So I'm talking Jones, I'm talking Darcy Fogarty, Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, Fisher McAsee. That's probably just to name a few. There's also Riley Thilthorpe, Joshua Shelley, all these young kids. So much pressure. And I'm starting to wonder, is there too much pressure? Because what we do know now is that these kids, it does eventually filter back to them, everything that's said about them in the media. And if they have social media, they're definitely going to see some of the stuff. You're in this position plus a little bit more. You're a number one pick. It's huge pressure at a big, big club in Melbourne. What was it like and did you feel it? Um, Yeah, you you certainly do. Um, And from what I can remember... I ended up at Carlton, who had been down the bottom for a long time, and they'd suffered a lot up until that point. Um, and Mark Murphy was a number one pick before me, and Matty Cruiser <laughs> went number one the year after me. So all of a sudden, from that point of view, Carlton have struggled, struggled, struggled. The members and supporters are just, you know, they want to want some hope that the club can move forward and, and get back to where they what they're doing in the current day and age today and and that's playing finals and and having success because they you know they're one of the most successful clubs in his, in the history of AFL so when you get there it's obviously it's a big deal um, there's a lot of expectations and for for some people you're almost seen as a bit of a savior like you guys are the crop that are going to get us back to where we want to go. And for a lot of reasons, right, wrong or indifferent, sometimes that necessarily doesn't happen. So what happens when it doesn't happen? Naturally, there's going to be pressure put on. There's going to be you know, scrutiny uh, on your performance. And you're probably going to get judged a bit more and a bit more heavily than guys that potentially got picked up later in the draft. That's just, I think, the way it's always been. Um, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. But yeah, absolutely, it can be tough, and it can have a, an impact on on that individual. And I think we've we've seen over the last couple of years, guys like Fisher McAsee, who hasn't quite come on as quick as people would have liked, or even this year with with Butters and Rosie when they were struggling early, when Port was struggling. Oh, they need to step up. They need to have more impact on games. They've been in the system two or three years, and naturally, that pressure just comes on. Whether that's fair or not, it's. I think it's always going to be there. So, and I've, I feel that pressure straight away. When, when you said that uh, you almost come in as a saviour, that is 100% the pressure that's been put on Jason Horn francis 
uh, people were already writing that uh, before he got picked. This is the guy who you would build a club around. I didn't know that you could build an AFL club around one particular player. That seems absurd, but he's under a lot of pressure. Would he be feeling it? I, I think he would, yeah. Um, and it's been a, a tough start to his career in terms of what the team's been putting out week to week. And you know, nobody likes losing, you know, and especially someone of Jason's nature who, who's such a competitor and, and wants to win and win now. Um, and, and that's what a lot, of, a lot of guys that get drafted, they get drafted because they're talented, yes, but they're competitors as well. So... Um, at the end of the day, I mean, whether you go pick one or pick you know, 30 in the rookie draft, at the end of the day, everyone has got an opportunity to make the most of that. Um, and it starts with turning up to training, working hard, earning the respect of your teammates and, and then go from there. But um, you know, some of these advantages you do get as a, as a first round pick, especially if you go to a club that are down the bottom, you, you probably do get a bit more opportunity than, than guys that uh, get picked later in the draft, I think, um, just just naturally off the back of that. And sometimes you might not be ready. Sometimes you might need to take a couple of years before you you work out what level you need to be, what standards you need to set for yourself, um, learning about your body, what it takes for you to each week to get up to play a 22-game season um, and, and learn your craft. It, it, it Sometimes it does take a while and, and everyone's different and some pick it up quicker than others. Your first year? Pass, fail, or somewhere in the middle? Well, that probably stems back to what I just said. I reckon I certainly would have, if I was in most other teams, I probably would have got dropped on form and, and had a bit of a spell in the reserves. Uh, but because I went to a club like Carlton who were down the bottom and were struggling, they basically said, well, it doesn't really matter. We'd rather get the games into you and give you the experience. So although I, I was probably deserved of a, a, a spell in, in the reserves to get get my form back to a level that was... Uh, at AFL standard, they they kept wheeling me out, um, and at the time uh, that was great for me. I, I was I was you know certainly appreciative of that. But um, if I was at any other team, I probably would have um, had a rest in the res- in the reserves. But and also to say that in my first year, I, I, obviously going number one, there's expectations in the Rising Star and yep. um, in those sort of things as well. And I think I end up finishing fourth or fifth, or maybe sixth. I can't really remember, but I remember at the time that being a big deal to people. It was like, well, he's a number one pick. Is he that sh- he should be winning the Rising Star? That's what I was like, just well, thinking. Is that the normal? Is that the expectation for the well, number one pick? I think it is. I think it is. Well, around the around the mark, anyway. Uh, but it depends who you speak to. Not not everyone will have that opinion, but um, I think people naturally just think he's number one pick. He should be winning these awards and 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 doing these things as soon as he walks in the door. So there's probably a big difference between. Obviously, pick number one and pick number six, where Fisher Mackesy, for example, went. Uh, so when you were there, were you at, you at the Crows, and particularly during his first year, were, was there any moments where you, you gave him some advice or some of these young kids to tell them how to deal with this sort of pressure? Because it would all be new to them. Well, he was a pretty quiet kid uh, when he first came in the door, but he seemed very mature for his age. So um, you know, speaking to him, you know, he, he understood what you were saying and. All of his answers were, you know, really surprised me. I'm like, oh, this kid's actually really switched on. He reminded me a bit of um, Jacob Wiedering, Wiedering when he first got to the Blues. He had sort of that that key defender, um, seemed a lot more mature than he, than his ages. But but that they th- the Crows threw him in in his first year or his second year. They they gave him games to start with to see what the level was like and um, and give him a bit of a taste of it. And obviously the last 12, 18 months for 
for Fisher hasn't probably worked out the way he's wanted to and hasn't been able to get that opportunity. But, um, you know, you compare, say, midfielders to key position players. You know, key position players take a little bit longer. And yep. maybe that's just what his journey has been so far. And you look at guys like Harry Mackay, who I can talk about from Carlton, Charlie Curnow obviously had his injuries, but they were babies when they first got to Carlton and they needed three or four years to yep. develop and get to the spot where they are now. And look at them now, they're, they're both flying. So um, uh, people want it to happen really quickly and they want want to see these players develop and, and you know help the club drive up the ladder as quick as possible. But sometimes you just need to be patient, especially with some of the bigger guys, because uh, that's just naturally what it takes them a bit longer to, to, to develop. Yeah, uh, Charlie Curnow seems to be coming on quite nicely, doesn't he? Um, you mentioned some of those guys, Cruiser, Murphy, other number one picks literally around you. How did they deal with it all? Was there a moment where you guys sort of felt pressure as a group or did different individuals handle it differently and thrive in a situation like that? Well, we're probably lucky because we could actually lean on each other. And because we'd all experience a similar thing, albeit a little bit differently, uh, we were able to lean on each other when you know, things were tough or when things were going well, we could sort of bounce ideas off each other. And it was, it was pretty unique because uh, to have three guys within three years go number one, like I don't think that's happened probably ever. Mm. Um, and that's a, a, a bond and a, um, something we, you know, we'll be connected to forever, which is really cool. But yeah, I think it certainly helped that we could actually go through similar things together and, and help each other through whatever we needed to at the time. And then I suppose, what does it, what does it feel like the pass mark is for such an early, uh, for such an early pick from a club perspective to, I suppose, show that you've repaid the faith or a situation where you go number one, maybe you go top three. Is it a minimum of 200 games? I mean, it's hard to, I know it's hard can, to can put you, down. Yeah, can you put something on it? it? Like, I don't know if you can, but as I said, whether you go pick number one or you go pick number 80, at the end of the day, as soon as you walk in that door, you've got an opportunity, you've been given this opportunity. Mm. It's up to you as that individual whether you take it with both hands or you don't. Mm. And you see the guys, and that's why you see guys that come on off the rookie list and they become captains. You think about you know Sam Mitchell. Jonas. You know, Jonas, Dean Cox. All, like, you know, that's just a couple of the top, from my, top of my head. But they don't get the opportunities first up as a, a number one pick would, yep. or do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like they, they have to work harder and they do work harder. And what happens at the end of the day, they carve out great careers because yep. that's all they've ever known. So um, it's sort of, once you walk in that club day one, it's up to that individual to make the most of that, that opportunity. So I look on the flip side of it and I look at the scrutiny that Jack Watts had as being the number one pick. And it sort of felt like no matter w what Jack did in the middle part, and the latter part of his career, there, there was no way that he was going to stop the scrutiny. But if Jack had done what he was doing, he was picked, say, 30 or even 40, he, he would have been an absolute hero. That, it was a tough situation. Right from his first game, they were after him. Yeah, and he probably got... Um, once there's a perception about you, it's hard to hard to drop, I suppose. Hard to lose, hard to shake. But, um, yeah, Jack had a lot of great moments throughout his career. Um, and he did a lot more than a lot of other people have done. So... Um, yeah, as you said, uh, that's it's it's a tough one. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, what how, how do you? I don't think you can judge it yep. on games or medals or whatever it may be. It's 
it's just up to that individual yeah. to, to make the most of that opportunity. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. Four minutes past nine. Get involved this morning via the text line 0427154166. Fantastic to have your company. And just another quick reminder, visit Solitaire Audi. Test drive the new A3 and S3. Bryce Gibbs is in. You're much more mobile, it must be said, this week, Bryce. We're about a week and a half post-surgery and you're starting to readjust. It's nice to see. Well, yeah, it is slowly improving. Um, still not at the level that I would like it, but, um, yeah, I'm finding a way with one arm. Mm, that's that good. That's good. Just multitasking. You're good left uh, kick? Uh, it's good it's enough. okay. Get okay. the job done. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Um, now, during the week, uh, busy, very busy week, particularly for uh, Crow supporters and everything in terms of rebuild. That is the discussion point. We're going to get a really, really good indication of exactly where things are at today because this, I mean, they have to win against the Eagles if they don't. Massive alarm bells. Malcolm Blight, the two-time premiership coach, the AFL legend, uh, in short terms, basically said that uh, he's not sure that the Crows' rebuild is on track. Now, if you're judging it of wins last year, they had seven wins right now at the halfway point of the year. It's going to be there on three wins. They'll probably get uh, a fourth win today. And then you go into the second part of the year. Uh, first of all, the question is, a rebuild staying on track? Is it purely about wins and improving on wins or are there other elements? For example... Can you not have as many wins or the same amount of wins as last year and the rebuild still be on track and the club still improving? It, it's a good debate, isn't it? Um, is it working? Well, what are they? Is this the third year? Are we saying this is the third year of their rebuild? I, I mean, naturally, you, by this stage, you would like to see some improvement each year in terms of wins, I would think. Um, there's some... Things that could hinder that, you know, injury, we've obviously got COVID issues that, that pop up from time to time now. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some things that, some factors that can um, change your win-loss profile for the year. But I think they started off really well and I think they probably surprised a few people in terms of some of the performance they were putting out. So they set the bar really high and then they went into a bit of a lull, didn't they? And some of their performances were was chalk and cheese what they dished up at the start of the year. So that's I think that's what got the conversation started and, and making people wonder, oh, geez, are they on the right track? We, uh, we don't know because they played some exceptional footy to start the year, beat some really good sides and then dished up some some junk some junk games and, and got, it, got it handed to them. So um, I don't know. The, the list that they've got at the moment, I, I would be thinking – are these players going to take us to the next premiership? Yep. I think that's what you got to look at. Um, whether they, they've, the guys that they've got over the last couple of years, whether the guys that they're looking to get in in terms of you know, free agents and, and trading and, and that sort of thing, the guys that you're getting in, are they going to win us the next premiership? And that's the question they probably need to keep asking themselves. So straight away, and comparing it to, say, Port, if Port were going through a rebuild or looking at some of those younger players, he would look at and say... Are these the kids who are going to be the future leaders, the future important players in the football club? And you'd have to say yes when you're looking at guys like Butters, Rosie, probably Bergman, a few other of these kids who are coming through at the Crows. You would have to say yes to Thilthorpe, Rochelle, and then he's saying yes to some of the others. 
Well, I'm, I'm looking at a bit of a list here and I'm not too sure. So Will Hamill, in, I'm talking leadership qualities. These are the, the next guys that are going to take over from you, Sloan's, Texas, um, Duday's, these, these sort of guys. Hamill, maybe not. McHenry, maybe not. Chase Jones, I think he's got some leadership qualities, but he's still obviously in and out of the side and, and trying, to, trying to work out where he fits. Fogarty, probably not. Lockie Murphy, probably not. Schoenberg, probably not. Lockie Scholl, probably not. Mackesy, I think he's got leadership qualities because, as I spoke about earlier, I think he's been uh, he's mature beyond his years, but he can't get a game at the moment. So where does he sit there? So it's in terms of their next batch of leaders coming through, it's hard to pick too many too many out. Mm. Uh, we're going to speak to Josh Jenkins just after 10 o'clock, who will no doubt give us a frank assessment of where he thinks the Crows are at, uh, and probably Port Adelaide as well, <laughs> and probably all teams, if we ask him. <laughs> but, I mean, in short, it, do, you, do you agree with Malcolm Blight or do you disagree? Is the rebuild on track? I think it's, it's just plateaued a little bit, from my point of view. Um, they obviously want to have a big response today that they've obviously copped a bit of flack in the media over the last couple of weeks and there's no better way to, to silence those critics than play well on the weekend and um and put your best foot forward there but um yeah i, I probably think it's just staggered a little bit there you go crow supporters 0427 154 166 i mean the talk all week has been the rebuild whether it's on track this is i mean we're almost at the halfway point for the crows so you start doing things like a mid-season report card and then individually, you can go through. So I listed a bunch of players who I thought had improved from the Crows a few days ago. And this um, surprisingly got a fair bit of traction online, a fair bit of debate, if you will. So I had in my um, improved list, Keys, Rowe, Haitley, McHenry, McAdam, and Hinch. So first of all, with Keys, people were saying, well, he's getting the same amount of balls last year. I think that Keyes has taken a more prominent role in the midfield this year. There's more responsibility for him, and he's taken it on board, particularly without Sloan. And it feels like he's having a bigger impact this year than he was last year, even though last year I think he came second in the best and fairest. So Rowe, it's not about statistics with Rowe for me. I think he, he gives them better structure when he's up forward, and he gives everyone else better opportunities around him. He's, that, he's turning into that sort of player where he's not purely just... Um, judged on whether he kicks a couple of goals or a couple of pressure acts, etc. Um, Haitley, in the last few weeks, has shown some genuine improvement that he's ready to play at this level and be that solid, strong inside midfielder. McHenry has improved from where he was at. Whether um, the expectations from him, whether he's at the level where he should be, I still feel like he's improved and he's on the right path. McAdam has definitely improved. He's a genuine target up forward. And the other one is Hinge, who has improved, but that's comparing to what he's done the last year where he hasn't had opportunity because he's been injured. Any disagreements? Uh, You're in- would, would, that, would that list of players, uh, there certainly are, the question I'm about to ask you, say the top four sides, would these guys be getting a game in those top four sides at, at where, the, where the ladder sits at the moment? That's a great question. Probably there's probably a couple. Like, there might be a couple, yeah, but definitely not all of them. Yeah, so that's probably where I'm coming from, and that's probably where the crows are at. They're, they've got improving players, yes, but are they going to be the next crop to take them to where they want to get to? Mm. 
Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough uh, situation for the Crows. Uh, are they building? Are they tracking in the right direction? We'd love your thoughts, Crow supporters, because you are you are absolutely wearing this rebuild. Something that Crows fans have never experienced in their lives. A genuine rebuilding side and all the mechanics that come with it. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. And unfortunately, um, Paul Seedsman he's not playing for the rest of the year. We're going to hear from Paul Seedsman next. Um, First and foremost, I mean, his health is paramount and he did give us a good update that he's on the right track, but from a footing playing perspective, there still could be some doubts as to whether we see him play again. You hate to hear stories like this, don't you? And Cedo, he's one of the the great blokes and one of the great people to have around a footy club. He's, uh, his energy, his banter, he's... He's easy to stir up, which you love getting a reaction out of Cedo when you, you, you stir him up. Um, and he's just one of those genuine good blokes. Mm. Um, and the last couple of years, his footy, he's taken his game to another level. Um, I think, was it last year? He's, some, of his, some of the games and some of the output he was producing on a Saturday afternoon was, was unbelievable. Kicking, you know, bouncing, two bounces along the wing, kicking goals from yep. 50. Like, unbelievable. Uh, and for him to, yeah, obviously put the season on hold while he's dealing with this, these concussion um, issues, um, yeah, it's, it's hard, to, hard to hear and, and sad to see. So, you know, we're certainly thinking of Paul and, and hope he can get back to, you know, his best footy over the next year or two. Because the Crows need him at the moment. Yeah, like they, absolutely. They, they need the sort of player and the, and the sort of output he can produce. So um, hopefully he can... Rest up for the rest of the year and, and get it right because uh, the Crows are better for him and, and football's better with him in it. Yep. Paul Seedsman spoke to the media yesterday. Um, of course, he's been missing from the Crows' lineup all year with concussion symptoms. First of all, um, he took us through the exact incident. Yeah, no, no, I remember it, mate. It was just, it was just a knock. It was just an incident of training. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I think it's just a number of knocks throughout my career. There's nothing, um, you know huge or or anything like that that where you look at it and go holy you know no wonder um i am where i am it's, it's just unfortunate for whatever reason that um it's taken this long it's a scary situation when someone gets it's a one-off incident particularly at training i mean uh, probably the person who can speak about that uh best is brent riley who you know uh, which ended his career but it's a really, really scary situation, particularly when you've got kids coming through and they want to play football uh, and some of these contact sports where it could be one sort of spot. And I don't want to put a dampener on, on people coming through wondering if they're going to play football or not, but it does make you realise that you do need to be careful. You do, and, and that's why the well, it starts at the AFL and they've been so cautious around head knocks and um, you know protecting the player and... And all those sort of things because, yeah, this is serious stuff. And, like, even me, like, I'm still playing football. And with what Paul's just said, it was one knock. I could be one knock away from, yeah. you know, being uh, being in trouble. So, yeah, it's certainly when you think about things like that, you start thinking about life and, you know, things past football and that uh, footy's not always the be-all and end-all, which, you know, sometimes we can get immersed in it and, and think – think it's all about that but uh, yeah certainly it's certainly scary so our thoughts are obviously with Paul and hopefully he can make a quick 
quick recovery. So absolutely the most important thing now for Paul Seedsman is that uh, his, his future, and not his football future, just life after football, um, he did reveal that things are tracking in the right direction. I do now, yeah. Um, yeah, what that looks like, what that light looks like, I'm not sure in terms of a return to play capacity. Um, that's obviously what, I, what I'm striving to do. And, and yeah, every stepping stone, even though, you know, the focus at the moment is on health, you know, I've got to get healthy to then be able to train, to then be able to return to play. So the light's there. I, th I think at the end of it, I'll be able to, you know, be able to manage and, um, and do the things that I want to do post-football. And then, you know, hopefully we get to a position where I, where I can continue playing. It would seem unbelievable that from where someone like Seedsman has been, along with guys like Paddy McCartan and Brayshaw from Melbourne, that they would get the green light to participate in contact sports again. But those guys, McCartan and Brayshaw, Brayshaw are the exact examples that it can happen. So there is hope and optimism for Paul Seedsman to return to the football field yet. Yeah, there is, but he he would be thinking this is so far away. Like his mental state and, and where he's at personally, he would think, yeah, th this is going to take some time here, which which would be tough. Um, even though he just said then there there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you know he he needs to go through a series of steps to get back to where he wants to, uh, he'll feel like he's a, a long way away from that. Did you cop many concussions? I didn't win too many hard balls over my career, so uh, <laughs> so not many at all. So there was no incidents where uh, the ball hit you in the head? <laughs> There's been a couple, actually. That was the only oh. way of making contact with your head. Um, interesting one, this one as well. Paul Seedsman was just talking about some of the um, things that are happening in his life where it's, I suppose it's affected his quality of life. And there's one particular thing that he told his wife to do later on you hear this which uh, I found very interesting I still have limitations on everything that I do even from just like a mental um, capacity uh, you know day-to-day -day tasks you know if I if I got to sit down and, and have a meeting you know, I'd build a house at the moment so you know meeting with the builders going through quotes and everything like that everything seems to be going over but um, <laughs> which gives you a headache in itself but you know, going over that, if you, if you put too much time and effort, you know, I have to say to him, Mrs. Hang on, you got to stop talking for five minutes. I just got to sit here and, and have a break. That's brave. He's a brave man. I know he's in a difficult situation, but it still feels like in any situation, if I'm telling my wife to just to be quiet for five minutes, I'm not sure what sort of response I'm getting. And I tell you what, <laughs> coming from Paul Seedsman too, who can talk the not leg really. off a chair... Everyone on the Crows list at some stage would have said to Paul over the year, mate, can you just be quiet for five <laughs> minutes? I've, I've had enough. <laughs> he can talk with the best of them. So for him to say that to his missus, I think that's, uh, that's quite funny. So you touched on him before, but what sort of teammate is he from what we know? Uh, I think I've seen him do at least three presses. Every time that he does a presser, all the journos and everyone walk away going, how awesome is Paul Seedsman? He speaks very well, doesn't he? Um, when he needs to be serious, he, he can obviously be serious, but he, he's more of a, a muck around, prankster sort of banter sort of character. Uh, and I mentioned it before, those are the sort of people you love to have around footy clubs because they break the ice, they, they keep the vibe up in, in a team and um, he's, he's one of the genuine good guys. Uh, very good stuff. All right, uh, plenty to do around Adelaide. We'll go through that next. If you've got any ideas as well, text them through 0427 154 166. Of course, Ken gives a call also. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. 
Um, so here we go. This is a text as well, just talking about in terms of improvement uh, for the Crows. Morning, chaps. Percentage is always a fair barometer of development. 2021 Crows ran at 82%, currently 78%, but they get to fill their boots with two games each against the Eagles and North on the run in. So fair to say the jury is out on team improvement. It's a really good text because, I mean, a win is a win, but if it's against the Eagles or it's against North and maybe to a lesser extent Essendon, um, how much do you put that into the gauge of improvement? Well, they've still got to fill their boots, so to speak, yeah. as well. Like they haven't done that yet. Yes, the matchups look good for them on paper, but I said before, West Coast will genuinely come out today and think they're a chance mm. playing Adelaide with the form they're in at the moment. So it's not going to be easy for them. Great text. Keep them coming through. 0427-154-166. Top of 16 across Adelaide today. In South Australia round Cape Horn. What's on in SA? Look, plenty of other things you can get up to across Adelaide today, Gibbsy. So let's get into our What's On segment. Climate's Trade Centre at Regency Park has the best Dakin prices. T-Birds are hosting the Vixens tonight. I did see a bunch of the Vixens just walking down Hindley Street this morning around about 8 o'clock. Um, all professionally dressed. They weren't rolling out of a nightclub establishment. <laughs> they clearly had a good night's sleep, but tough one for the Vixens. Uh, sorry for the Thunderbirds tonight because the Vixens are flying on top of the ladder, but um, big opportunity for a showcase game at the Entertainment Centre, and there's a um, future netball star in your family. Yes. Oh, no. My, well, my wife actually made her return to netball, I think, from um, since having kids. There you go. That's a good a effort. Couple of weeks ago, that's so a very she, good effort. She wanted to get the competitive juices flowing again and competes on uh, on a Monday night socially at uh, at Emmanuel College there. And um, yeah, she she's been pulling up a bit sorer than she used to in the in the joints and in in the limbs. So um, yeah, that's what happens when you step away from the game for six or seven years. Now watch this space. Uh, all of a sudden, we'll be talking about uh, the new Thunderbirds development player coming through. It's never too late. Love no, a good story. Yes. Mature age recruit. Yes. Well, yeah, the way some people get picked up now, a bit older these days, <laughs> there might be a future for us still. Um, horses, of course, it's race day again from 10.30 down at Morfordville. Always a very good day of fun. Plenty of races. Uh, and just keep a little eye on Miles Fitzner, his Instagram account, for some uh, little multis, some tips. Very, very good. Yes, he owns a very own. Uh, Sample Tigers with the Bloods. Um, that's going to be at Glenelg. Roosters v the leg, Red Legs at Prospect Oval from 2.40. Um, Sturt v Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. So that's happening after the main game today, which is very, very nice. Just on that as well, I mean, obviously you played at every single stadium, big stadium in Australia, but for Sample players, I know I would have loved an opportunity like this. They'd love to get on Adelaide Oval at any stage. I, I would love for the Sample to somehow cut a deal where at least one game a week can be at Adelaide Oval. I know, you know, the curators and they, they get precious about their turf and don't want to yep. have too much foot traffic on, on it, but there's nothing better than playing at a, a ground like Adelaide Oval. And then, like, I'm looking at the, the games today. The Tigers and the Bloods at Glenelg. So cricket pitch, with the weather we've got forecasted, that's not a good time. The Roosters and the Red Legs at Prospect Oval, Cricket pitch, that's yep. not a good time. Sturt and Adelaide would usually be played at Sturt, at yep. Unley. Cricket pitch, not a good time, especially this time of year. So to get on Adelaide Oval, amazing conditions. doesn't matter what the weather's doing. The grounds hold up that well these days. And I'd love to see more games get played during the year at Adelaide Oval, if possible. Mm.
on SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. Now, just on that, the all-new Audi A3 and S3 have arrived, so to find out more, visit audisolitaire.com.au. Gibbsy, we've got something new coming up as well. So in about 10 minutes' time, we're going to do a little quiz where Tommy, uh, the great man, Tommy Lyons, is going to come in and Tommy. just uh, take control. <laughs> Love that. And what he's going to do is he's going to test us all things football from a particular year. The year is 1993. Okay, so I was four years old. Yep, and you were just a little sponge taking it all in. If you're anything like my four-year-old, you didn't take in too much football. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so we got a quiz mm-hmm. about 1993. Yep, 93. Just the absolute golden era. Straight away, for obvious reasons, it's all painted in black and red. The Bombers, baby. The, bo- the Baby Bombers. Bombers, very, okay. very good. Now it's, now it's starting to come back to me. So there you go. Who won the flag? The Bombers. <laughs> Is that a question, Tommy? <laughs> Yeah, it goes a bit uh, more intense than that. Um, let's get into our Saturday scoreboard as well, tell you all, all the latest uh, sports around the world. This Saturday scoreboard. Well, let's get into it. Uh, and some of your local results as well. Texas 3, 0427 154 166. Probably the most important results. Who should we be mentioning? Uh, some of the big dogs, though. Rafa Nadal through to the French Open final after Alexander Zverev retired with injury. So Rafa's through to his 14th French Open final after Zverev was forced to retire, injured. The world number three twisted his ankle in the second set, couldn't recover, and Dahl would take on Kasper Ruud, who became the first Norwegian to reach a Grand Slam final after defeating Marin Cilic in the other semi-final. So congratulations to Kasper, who will go on to lose to Rafa in the final. 14th French Open final. He's not human, is Rafa Nadal. Like, just in terms of... Some of the absolute, the term goat gets thrown around too easily. And right now, when you're saying who's the tennis goat, well, Novak's still charging. Who knows what Federer is still capable of? So we're going to have to be able to make that assessment after these guys are done. But the resilience, um, the nerves of steel, and what's he playing for? I mean, what, what's driving Rafa Nadal at this stage of his life? Well, how old is he? Be 35, 36, I reckon. Like, how lucky are we to have been able to witness? Not only Rafa, but yeah, you just mentioned Djokovic, Federer. Three absolute greats of the game. Tennis. Like, it's phenomenal. Like, if he wins 14 French Opens, like, that, that's just never going to happen again. Mm, no. Like, that's just never going to happen again. Like, no. we're, we're so lucky to be able to witness what these guys are doing at the moment. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's un- I'm, I'm lost for words. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, he's just ridiculous. And um, we we're speaking about this during the week, but. Probably the next step for Rafa is just to get the clippers out and maybe shave that off, I reckon. <laughs> he's just he's really <laughs> he's just on. hanging on to it, isn't he? He's hanging on. We all know someone <laughs> who's hung on for just a little bit too long. I might be six months away, I reckon. You you Oh you say, you It's not getting thicker. Um conceding defeat. Oh, yeah. I mean it looks good when it's combed in the right spot. <laughs> you can always comb it over so yep. you can can hide it a bit, but no from from where I'm sitting now, it doesn't look too bad. Yep, so because I've got it styled absolutely perfectly. <laughs> For example, you're wearing a beanie. If I wear a beanie and I get beanie hair or hat hair, 
all sorts in of issues. In trouble. Really in trouble. I, su- I suppose when it's a bit rainy too, you get a bit wet. That, yeah, I know. Oh, that that's not going to help you. I don't go for that <laughs> at all. Um, now, the women's final is happening tonight. Iga Sviontek taking on Coco Goff. So that would be uh, very exciting stuff for Coco Goff. Uh, Goff still so young. Youngest finalist maybe ever, I think. So she wow. is just storming through. NBA Boston Celtics stunned the Golden State Warriors with a final quarter flurry to take a 1-0 lead in the NBA finals. I thought this was just going to be absolutely clinical for Golden State on their home court. This was a great little upset. Well, they got out to, you saw Steph Curry's first quarter, 21 he dropped, six threes or something, and you thought it was game over. Boston clawed their way back. Golden State managed to get out again to about 10, 11 points. And then just the toughness of Boston, they just... They just bullied their way through that last quarter and went on a, an amazing, it was like 40 to 16 or something run to to do it easy in the end. So, I mean, I was at the start going, well, this is just going to be, you know, congratulations on Boston to uh, get through to the finals where they'll lose to Golden State. But I know we're one game in, but game on. Yeah, oh, well, advantage Boston now, but it will wake Golden State up. Like They know what they're doing. They've got plenty of deadly deadly players um, and this this will just be a little wake up call for them mm. um, US Open women's golf Minji Lee doing very very well as we speak so she is currently tied for first she was tied for third overnight so a very very nice start there not too long to go that is a nice little purse that she's playing for as well if she wins there I think she collects about two and a half million not bad yeah I think I definitely played the wrong sport growing up <laughs> you know what's annoying is all you probably would have been an unbelievable golfer oh, I'm terrible at golf Really? I've got, I've got all the gear. That surprises me. No idea. Yeah, I've got the the, the blades. I wear the great kit head to toe. Look, look up there, do me swings. Oh, where's this going to go? Slice, bang. I'm in the trees. <laughs> and yeah, no, I'm no good at golf. Can't believe it. Bryce Gibbs actually has a, a weakness. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, what about this as well? Now, we talk about some of the fans um, over here and just how crazy they are. The American sports fans and <laughs> next level. What about the Celtics fans? This was just before uh, game one. 2008, I was seven years old. That's the last time we won. I mean, let's go Celtics. I need it. I need it. Let's go. <laughs> That's passion. That I is... need it. I need it. Let's go. And that was before the Celtics won. Oh, do you reckon there's going to be a few Crows members walking around Adelaide Oval before today's game? Just, we need a win. We need a win. <laughs> oh, is there that much passion? Who's the Crows supporters that sounds like this before a game? I need it. I need it. Let's go. <laughs> I don't remember seeing a Crows supporter like that. In fact, any footy supporter. So we think we're crazy over here. Over there, it is just absolutely next level. And I wonder if it's even a level above that. For some of the soccer crowds, like the EPL crowds. I mean, when you know that the crowds have to be separated because if they mix, there would be violence. That's probably a level above even this. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly another level. Um, <laughs> but it makes for a good laugh. Like, oh, that's brilliant. I, I love that. That's passion. That's that's carry on. That's everything put together. And yeah, hopefully we we can see a couple of those Crow supporters getting around Adelaide Oval today because uh, they certainly need uh, all the revving up they mm. can get. Um, just on uh, the Crows as well, Gibbsy, a little text here from you. It says, morning, boys. What do you make of the backline situation today? And would Bryce have selected a different lineup On the rebuild, Laird hit the nail on the head on Monday, saying they just need to get games into the kids. But the coach continues to play guys like Crouch and Murphy and cannot see 
while being at the club next year due to lack of opportunity. Also intrigued that VB said last night, selection was system-driven on new church and small forwards are measured on defensive pressure, not kicking goals. That's from Lockie. Um, Lockie's a regular texter as well. He's a Mad Crow supporter. She's going to be tough for selection when you want to give 35 blokes a game each and every week. And I'm just not sure about giving kids a game for the sake of it because that has been floated as well. I've heard the theory, oh, you've just got to get games into Fisher Mackesy. But correct me if I'm wrong, if they're genuinely not ready, then surely it would hinder more than develop. Yeah, it can. You've got to have a balance. And some, some guys can cope with it more than others. Um, but just looking at their back line, they do look a little bit undermanned. Um, and we will note uh, as well, uh, Patrick Parnell yep. will debut and he will play in that back line. Um, he, he has a crack. He, he's only tiny. There's not much of him. 71 kilos and 177 centimetres. But uh, he's been playing well in the Sandfall. Played eight games, averaging about eight, 18 touches. So hopefully... He starts his career off on a on a great note, but um, yeah, like you've got Frampton not getting a game. Worrell, as you just mentioned, he's he's a key tall defender um, that that can't get a look in. So um, yeah, maybe this was a, a game to potentially try a couple of those guys. I think uh, Jordan Butts being out as well. Like that is Jordan Butts has gone on the radar just how seamlessly he slotted in into Daniel Talia's role and done an admirable job. And it's one of the t- tougher positions, full back playing on the big gorillas each and every week. Uh, and he hasn't been beaten too many times. He's, he's held his own pretty well. And for someone that's still learning his craft and, you know, getting his body big enough and, um, you know, at, at an at AFL level where he can consistently perform week in, week out, he's, uh, he's done really well. Um, we're going to have a quiz next. Tommy's in charge. The theme, the 1993 AFL season. On SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. It is 10 minutes to 10. We're going to speak to Josh Jenkins just after 10 o'clock. So stick around for that, Crow supporters. In the meantime, get involved by the text line 0427-154-166. Just a little... Little uh, game of musical chairs. We just swap seats because Tommy's in control. Good morning to you both. I can see you're looking very uncomfortable, Hazy, because you're used to being in control and uh, having all the buttons. Do you know why? I've taken over. I'm sitting in Michelangelo Rucci's chair, and I tell you what, it uh, doesn't quite fit in the ass groove because Rucci is uh, built just a little bit differently, I must say. Yeah, <laughs> and it smells strange over there. But um, look, guys, I I want to play a quiz because this week is buy rounds, and uh, a few teams are taking the week off. And it got me thinking, back in the early 90s, you remember when every single week would be a buy and teams yep. were taking time off? I can see it in your eyes. You, you do truly remember, Hazy. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Gibber was, was just born. I, I don't remember Gibbs, that. He was only a few <laughs> weeks old. I tell you what I do remember about the early 90s as well, Tommy, was yeah. that um, obviously you'd watch the news and they'd say, it was always a replay. And they'd say, righto, here's the scores. If, if you don't want to know, look away now. And then yeah. Deezer would play right on the tip of my <laughs> yes. tongue every that time. Song. Awesome. Oh, you saw, I saw some weird stuff making this segment. Like there was a guy coming out to fix up the ground in the middle of the game. And he had a ciggy hanging out his mouth, <laughs> like just smoking on live television. It was a different time. Yeah, it was amazing. So look, back in 93, it was the... 
best year of football I can remember. The big forwards were flying. There were lots of goals. Uh, the baby bombers got up with a flag. I'm going to uh, play you something now just to get you in the mood. Here we go. Fitzroy Football Club is tonight teetering on the brink of extinction. The Baby Bombers are the Essendon youth, and these young men are enjoying a strong taste of finals football. Swinmar, kick, I think he's done. Right to that, Jonathan. Wonderful. Tony Modra, goal number 100 for the season. He kicks, I think he's got it. And there it is. Gary Ablett gets his century. Only Bob Pratt got there quicker. Oh, and there you go. Does that get you uh, into the mood? A few little hints in there as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A few little hints. Um, so, your buzzers, boys. Gibbsy, yes. yours is Gibber Gibber. Nice. Gibber Gibber. Yep, very good. Hazy, yours is Hazy Boy. Hazy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> first to three wins it. All right, here's the first question. 93 was the year of the Baby Bombers. They played off against Carlton in the grand final. Who won the Norm Smith medal? Hazy Boy. Yes, Hazy. Uh, that would be Michael Long. Jeez, you're quick on that. That's right. 1-0. Hazy's way. You've got so, to get back in. When Bryce, this, is, this might be the difference. When Bryce was playing professional football, I was studying it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Near, this one's nearest to the pin. In 1993, Tony Modra did this. Tony Modra, goal number 100 for the season. He kicks. I think he's got it. Well done, Anthony Modra. Great effort by the champion for four. Here they come. Modra getting mobbed. Nearest to the pin, I'll let you go first, Gibbo. How many goals do you reckon he kicked? It was over 100. That was his ton. Um, He kicked... Is he on Google? No, I don't. No. What are you looking he's, at? He's just having a look at his notes. About one hundred and thirty. Oh, and and Hazy, where are you at? One hundred and thirty and a half. Okay, nearest <laughs> to the pin. That is, is it uh, two or one over. Gibber's got that one. He oh, kicked one hundred and twenty-nine. Oh, oh, well done. So one all, one, one a all. piece. Huge. Very good. Okay, this next one is an audio question. Listen carefully. So when Tony Lockett was playing for St Kilda, he went up to visit Sydney and a fan released a certain animal onto the ground to celebrate this occasion. Have a listen. Oh, there's a pig on the ground. <laughs> there is a pig at full forward. <laughs> hey, boy. I haven't asked the question. The question? Uh, okay, fire away. Uh, I'm going to say it was a pig with number four on it. In round 18, St Kilda v Sydney in honour of Tony Lockett. Wrong. No, no. Wrong. That's wrong. Premature again, Hazy. Oh, story um, of my life. <laughs> Gibber, the question is for you, who is that voice, that iconic oh. voice that you can hear in the commentary? Oh, I've, you, I've First have, name, I've, Sandy. Oh, come on. Sandy Roberts. Oh, fantastic. What are you doing, Sandy? Tommy? Like, uh, I, what do, you, do you want to hold his hand as well? <laughs> hey, Look, these are, these are serious. All, just all gonna, as I see is 2-1. We've got to keep it balanced. Okay, moving on. First name's Sandy. Uh, last name starts with R. Have you got this one, Bryce? 2-1, Gibber's way. The loser has to run around the building in the rain afterwards. So um, next one. There were two players to crack the 100 goals in 93. Hazy Boy. The other two, other than Tony Modra, sorry. Who were they, Hazy Boy? Oh, Definitely Gary Ablett. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, senior, that is. And Gary Ablett Senior, what a hell of a player he was as I rack my brain and pad with my words to try and get more time. <laughs> time is running out. Uh, I'm going to say Jason Dunstall. Oh, oh very lucky. Guess. That's correct, Hazy. Yes. Yes. Okay, this Good is get. for the win. For the win. In 1993, North Melbourne coach Wayne Schimmelbush resigned and they appointed a new coach who would lead them to glory. Gibber, who, Gibber. who was that coach? Gibber, Gibber. Go- <laughs> <laughs> who was the coach? He was uh, my first coach. Ah. Dennis Pagan. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's the win for Bryce Gibbs. Winner! <laughs> let's let's never Winner! Winner! What an absolute crock. Yeah. Just well, guiding Gibbs to glory. No, I went I'm too, very proud I, of you, mate. I went too early. Well done, well done, Bryce. Nah, well done. Congratulations. Do I get a medal or a trophy? Yeah. Or yeah. Do I... I, th- I think we'll get the, um, get the people of Adelaide involved in that next time. We can play for someone and, oh, and yes. give away yes. something really nice. Do you know what's really disappointing? So a solitaire car maybe or something? Is that yeah. the... I genuinely studied for this thing as well. Because <laughs> I can tell you all sorts of di- different little elements like that. Like it was round 18, the plugger incident. Crows finished fifth on the ladder. Bombers cleaned up everything, including winning the Wizard Cup. Yeah. Gavin Wanganine won the Brown line. Do you know what? I did a little bit of homework too. And what was going on with the final series back then? What it was, was top five. System? You could lose a final and still, and be still keep going. Like, yeah, yeah. What's all that about? See, like, that's but, outrageous. But, not, but finish outside the top four and get a double chance. Like, work that out. See, that's strange because obviously in the Sanford now of the top five, you finish in top three, you get a double chance, you can lose and you're still in it. But if that you, was a whole yeah, different season. if you season. finish seventh and you lost, <laughs> because, you got a double chance. Yeah, because didn't. Correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't make sense. One of the Crows premierships, didn't they lose a game? Yeah, they they lost a game and then they progressed through to the prelim final against the Dogs, I think. There you go. It was bizarre. Very, very different. What else can I tell you? 96,000, top crowd. Average attendance mm. of 29,000. All this information was useless. Well, yeah. That might be a higher average this year. All I remember is having my heart broken uh, when Essendon ran over the Crows in the semi-final. But, Hazy, what have we got coming up after 10? Uh, we're going to speak it to Josh Jenkins. Looking forward to that. JJ always calls it as he sees it, one of your old teammates. At one stage as well, Bryce, there was probably a time where were you and JJ both playing in the Sample at the same time? Uh, that's a great question. I know we were... If I was getting dropped, it was either probably me or him that were getting yeah. dropped, I think. And it was actually good because we could lean on each other and help each other through those uh, tough times. But I don't reckon we played too many together in the sand. Yep. Very, very outspoken is JJ. Loves his American sport, all those types of things. Um, and you guys, you were close with JJ? Yeah, we got along well. Yep. You got along well, well with oh, everyone, though, didn't you? just that sort of guy, you know. <laughs> You're just the glue. Just one of the good guys. <laughs> Wish they said the same about you. Except for the, <laughs> yeah, except, except for the Adelaide uh, match committee. They, they, didn't, they didn't seem the, the, um, the same. JJ coming up also as well, Tommy. And uh, we're going to play that little grab right now. Um, Bailey Smith in a fair bit of trouble. Three-quarter time last night. Mm. If you saw the incident, uh, we'll let BT, BT do some of his finest work right now. Another little headbutt there from Bailey Smith. I'm not sure whether it made contact or not. Bailey Smith has been reported here. Reporting your headbutting, okay? Wow, we a little split on the forehead as well, but here it is. See the initial. Oh boy, goodness gracious me! How good oh boy. in the one passage we got a wow, we and an oh boy it means something my pretty serious had happened. Absolutely, my favourite BT isms and Elliot Yo. 
Elliot, yo. Um, 0427154166. How many weeks for Bailey Smith? He's in a fair bit of trouble. Mm, I'd right. say so. It is bang on 10 o'clock. Let's get to the news. On SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Find out more at audisolitaire.com.au. Good morning to you. Two minutes past 10 o'clock. If you're wondering what the weather's doing today, it's doing plenty. Big, big showers on the way. If you're heading to the football, congratulations to you. You're a very fair dinkum fan. The football, of course, uh, the Crows taking on. Uh, the Eagles at Adelaide Oval today, they need to win this. Um, they need to beat up on some of these sides where they absolutely have to win. Bryce Gibbs is in. Gibbsy, uh, congratulations on your little quiz win before. Thank you. 1-0, Gib- Gibber, Gibber. No, 1-0. I can't believe it. I studied my ass off for that as well. I knew everything but the questions. Well, if you go a bit early, that's probably what you deserve. When will I learn <laughs> <laughs> about the dangers of going prematurely? Uh... Anyway, it is a halfway point for Port Adelaide. So let's talk about the power and get involved. 0427154166. And where exactly do you think they're at? Their mid-season report card. Of course, getting off to a 0-5 and five start was just absolutely disastrous. Five of the last six games. But it would seem everything's on track. Their road back now is tough. And it starts with a couple of really tough games. And that is uh, Richmond on a Thursday night, followed by the Swans. Where do you think the power are at? Well, they had... They were touted top four. Was was it quoted grand final or bust this year? I think uh, that might have been Ken Hinckley's words. Hopefully, I got that correct. So they had a lot of had a high expectation leading into this year, um, and to go Norton five, I don't think anyone saw that coming. So pressure comes on straight away. To grind back to five and six, I think that's admirable. They're, they've done well, albeit beaten teams that they should have beaten, undermanned sides, teams that uh, were down the bottom of the ladder. And they've grinded, grinded their way to five and six. I'm still not convinced they're playing their best footy. And as you just touched on, they play Richmond, Sydney, Gold Coast, Frio and GWS, yep. to be exact. So the next five weeks will obviously define their season, whether they can get their mojo back and get back to the footy that we know they're capable of and the footy they produced last year and uh, the footy that had them touted as a potential premiership side leading into this season. Or they can continue to just not be great and potentially not make the finals. So it's going to be a really interesting five weeks for for Port when when they come back after the bye. Yeah, it's... um it's tough to know what a pass mark now is for Port Adelaide because at the start, and that is exactly what you would expect Ken Hinckley, everyone involved, to say. that They were a game away from playing in a grand final last year. So, of course, the next step is to play in grand final. And they're going to say, look, we want to win it all. It would be more surprising if they said, oh, look, we hope to just make the finals. Port Adelaide supporters would go nuts at the start of the year if they said that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, from here, though, to play finals would be a fantastic result. But then still... Are you going back to the expectations that started here or do you genuinely start again at this midpoint now? I think you start again. You start it fresh. Obviously, it's a long season. A lot happens and, and we've certainly seen that not only for Port but for a lot of other sides as well. And to get to the bye where they are, they're, they're in the mix to, to still make finals and I think you just clean slate. that They've gotten some, some players back, uh, getting some, some more you know, game time into Dixon and, and these guys are... Um, Fantasia was was sad to see him go down last week in the Sandville. They were excited to be getting him back into the side soon, but that's obviously being put on hold again. Um, 
so yeah, it's gonna. I think you just start again and and treat next week as round one and go from there. Last night, Bailey Smith in a fair bit of trouble. A little headbutt on Zach Tui at three quarter time. This text just came through. It said, "Headbutt an Irishman." That's how they say good night in Ireland. Give him six for being stupid. You reckon what? Three or four weeks? Uh, three to four, I reckon that he'll get. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I can't even remember the last time we saw a genuine headbutt because at the start you thought, "Oh no, he's just sort of pushing him off with his head," and then whooshka, a little Liverpool kiss. Yeah. Uh, to see a mark on Tui's head—that's the. Yep. That's the thing for mine. That it was, the the contact was sufficient enough to, to do that, and yeah, that's uh, it's not a good look. Uh, and now a quick report card for the Crows. So, obviously, expect them to win today. If they win today, at the halfway point of the season, and the whole talk all through the week has been on the rebuild, whether it's working, um, the players that they've got coming through, etc. What sort of what sort of mark would you give them at the halfway point, expecting them to win this week? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just want to keep see him keep um, keep fighting in games, being competitive, and then if they can do that, another they could get another four to five wins, I reckon, for the rest of the year. Yep. And that'd be that'd be on par, I reckon, from what was expected of them at the start of the year. I think for the Crows as well, the good thing is they play North again which is great. Uh, they do play the Ds again, which is very, very tough. But they do have a nice run of, of games where they potentially could get some wins. But then you start getting to debate where is it? it's not just about wins if you're beating up on sides like North Melbourne and West Coast. But, but what wins can do is create confidence. Yep. If you have a couple of wins in a row, you, you lead into these games against better sides and your performance can can grow and, and you can actually play better as a side. So... One, they got to win those games first. We're, we're just assuming that they would get those those jobs done. But um, you can't take sides lightly in this competition. And if you do, you'll, uh, you'll get your deserving. So I think one of those games is today against West Coast. They're still yep. stacked with premiership players, West Coast, and they'll see this as a winnable game. Uh, live ladder, obviously, it's going to change uh, over the next couple of days, but it has the Cats sitting at fourth. Um, they look really good, particularly at the start. They finish strongly. Jeremy Cameron is an absolute star with six goals. Now, one of their uh, part-time coaches is one of your old teammates, Josh Jenkins. We're going to speak to him next. So keep it locked to 1629 SENSA. Um, Crow support as well. If you do have a question for JJ, text it through 0427 154 166. Coming to you live from SENSA's Studio Lumo SA. Top of 16 across Adelaide today. Uh, time to get a very special guest on. One of SEN's absolute favourites. Part of the SEN stable. 147 games for the Crows from 2012 to 2019. It's Josh Jenkins. Good morning, JJ. Morning, boys. What's happening? Oh, not too much, mate. We're just about to get absolutely smashed with a whole heap of rain. But uh, no doubt you would be uh, feeling pretty good this morning. Cat's got a win. Um, firstly, take us through your involvement with Geelong. Uh, I'm not happy about that rain because I'm headed up to uh, my hometown of Swan Hill. To oh, be- no. Racing, racing carnival next weekend, and the rain usually comes straight from Adelaide to Swan Hill, so that's a little uh, disheartening. Uh, last night, yeah, it was a good, it was a good win. I, I sort of take care of the um, the rucks and some of the young tall guys, and just be of assistance, really, just be a be a resource or be a part time resource for them if they want to do, um, you know, more um, position specific training, so uh, extra um, marking and ruck work and. Anything really that they want to do for, for, for um, us, uh, you know, on top of their normal program. So I enjoy it, and hopefully they get some benefit from it as well. So you're the you're the catalyst, Josh, for uh, De Koning's 
<laughs> rise to fame over the last 10 to 12 weeks. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, um, if you want to uh, push that narrative, I'm help, <laughs> happy for you to, to do so. But um, we did, um, I mean, and it wasn't just Sam, but not playing, uh, we were away for, I think, I think it was 140 days we were away for in, in 2020 uh, during the hub season when the Crows and Power were in their own beds all season. We were on the road and uh, we spent a lot of time, uh, the guys who weren't in the AFL side, we spent so much time just training and, and, and just doing repetition after repetition with contested marking and leading patterns and defending. And um, as Sam and I would, would sort of spend... 15 or 20 minutes at the end of every um, every second day just doing one-on-ones and, you know, a young 18-year-old and you push them around and, and they get a little bit stronger and they eat a bit more and he gets, you know, craftier and smarter and more competitive and eventually you can't compete with him. So it has actually been awesome to to see him um, come on. I mean, he's, he's, he's exploded onto the scene really, but it's been a pretty consistent build for him because he's very, very diligent with his um with with how he goes about it at training he's a good trainer he doesn't miss training and he's very good in the gym and he's been eager to put on weight and get stronger so he can tackle those guys like aaron norton and max king so internally was this expected his uh progress because obviously externally everyone's talking about where's this kid been and he's just absolutely burst onto the scene but it sounds like internally he's just been bu- building beautifully yeah i think there's been some some um, discussion about, you know, where he's best suited or where he may get the most benefit in terms of, um, you know, learning the game. So, you know, he's played, um, he played some, some VFL footy when there were VFL games last year as a, as a, as a key forward. He spent plenty of time um, in the, in the hub games, in the scratch matches as a, as a ruckman as well. So it was a little bit about sort of getting a look at him in other positions, as well as letting him get a feel for the game, you know, in different areas of the ground. And then now he's been settled down as a key defender. Uh, he's absolutely blossomed. And, and, and we've got a need for a for key defender as well. Jack Henry's missed um, most or all of the season. Uh, Colin Jasney was a late withdrawal last night. So we've had a real need for it. And, and we're really lucky that he's, he's stepped up and, and well, he hasn't just filled the void. He's, he's really exploded onto the scene and, and quickly become um, our number one tall defender. Well, it certainly does sound like you've claimed that uh, rise to fame, mate. So well done on that. Uh, <laughs> just one last one on Geelong before we get on to talking about the Port and the Crows. Uh, with Geelong season, obviously a big win last night. And I spoke earlier about you know beating teams that are around you, sort of between 5th and 11th. There's a lot of sides. It's getting a bit banked up there. So... To have a win against the Bulldogs, who were sort of sitting in similar position to where you guys were, to sort of jump at an extra game above them now, um, leading into the bye, it's it's really set your season up. Um, where do you see the the boys heading after the bye, and and what are you looking to achieve from here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the three week build in um, to the bye was something that the guys really set themselves for, and we've been um, up and down. Uh, before that, so you know, to, to go in with um, with I think three wins on the trot is is really promising. We've got a lot of cattle uh, that that's been unavailable. I mean, I, I reckon 
uh, sitting in the match committee on Wednesday, I, I reckon we only had about 29 healthy players to pick a squad of 26 from. So we've been really thinned out. So hopefully after the bye, we'll get Dangerfield back. Uh, Sam Menegola played some VFL footy yesterday. He hasn't played at all this year, and he's a really important wingman for us. As I said, Jack Henry will come back. So there's a lot of uh, really good cattle that we're looking to get back into the side. That can only help, you would imagine. But, um, you know, at eight and four, it's a really, really good platform, isn't it? I heard you guys talking about Port Adelaide and, and where they're at. But, um, you, you know, at eight and four, you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room in terms of not needing to win two. You know, you don't have to go on a bit of a run to just to make it. You actually give yourself a chance to, to go on a run and make the top four. So I think we're, we're, we're well poised, but acutely aware that you know, it's probably Melbourne and Brisbane and then we're just in a big pack of uh, teams who are chasing. Hey, mate, just quickly as well, how's Tom Stewart and also how's Zach Tui's forehead? Yeah, we'll take a bit more than, than that to, uh, to rough up Zach Tui, that's for sure. He's, uh, he's as tough as they come. Uh, and Tom Stewart, I think, I believe, um, I believe, well, I heard, I heard Chris um, Scott speaking after the game that he, he did, in fact, pass his concussion test, but the, the vision of the incident um, sort of was the determining factor in him coming out of the game. So um, I think smartly and correctly, we, we just don't take chances with head knocks and um, he came straight out of the game. So thankfully for him, he's okay. And thankfully for us, it, it wasn't too costly. So, mate, just I know you're not part of the uh, medical staff, but if he passes a concussion test, does that mean he can play next week or does he still go into concussion protocols because of the vision? Uh, well, I don't I don't know the answer, but I don't think it's because imagine that the 12 days... I don't think you have to miss a game. I think you just have to serve your 12 days, I think. Yep. But I, I, we are... We are certainly exploring uh, areas uh, that I have no clue about. <laughs> That's okay. We'll jump back on board some stuff that you definitely know about, and that is no doubt keeping your eye on your old side. We're approaching the mid-season point for the Crows, um, and the talk here all week has been whether their rebuild is working, all those types of things. Where do you see the Crows from this point? Um, firstly, at this point of the season, but more broadly over the last sort of couple of years during a rebuild. Yeah, I often oh, I try to watch them as much as I, I possibly can, as much as uh, time uh, permits. And I, I love the way they go about it. I think everyone across the competition acknowledges, and particularly here in Melbourne, everyone acknowledges that they play with great spirit, they play with great energy. And if you don't bring uh, a level of a level of tenacity and energy, then they can beat you. And we saw that when they went to Ballarat and got a great win. And, uh, you know, good teams can go to Adelaide Oval expecting to win and, and not match the level of intensity that, that the Crows bring. And they they, uh, they are brought undone. But the query for me is, just look at last night's game. Um, and I know not everyone has a Jeremy Cameron or a Tom Hawkins, but I just query whether Adelaide has any real threats or real weapons. And I know Taylor Walker's playing incredibly well, but I'm sort of forecasting ahead three to five years. You know, what scares you about Adelaide as an opposition team? You know, what area of the ground really scares you? I'm just not seeing enough weapons or enough threats, whether that be, you know, dashing, damaging midfielders or potent forwards or, um, you know, real um, dangerous ball users out of the back half. That's the query for me. I love everything else about them. They play hard. They play the right way. They just don't seem to have a lot of threats and a lot of weapons. Yeah, you make a good point, Josh, and you... you spoke just then about dashing midfielders. Um, Paul Seedsman is one of your good mates for, for many years and 
He's mm. obviously going through some some battles with his concussion stuff. Have you spoken to him? Have you reached out? And, and how's he feeling? I, I have spoken to him. Uh, we speak regularly, more so about you know, um, American sports and, and, and other things and footy sort of uh, more generally. I, I, I try to, I imagine, and I know what it's like living in Adelaide, I imagine every single or every second person that he walks past in the street asks him how he's going. So that, 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 that leads me to try and avoid asking him how he's feeling because I imagine he gets a little bit sick of having to sort of uh, answer the same question all the time. I, I sort of know that he's having a bit of a battle. I know that um, I know that he's very pragmatic about it. I saw some comments from him in the press this week where he spoke about, you know, he's going to be really sensible about it long term and he's got a lot of life to live and all those sorts of things. So um, you know, I speak to him a lot, but uh, not often about his issues, just more so about the uh, NFL and his lack of fantasy football knowledge. <laughs> there you go. You talk about something that he's not good at. Hey, uh, JJ, just quickly before we let you go, mate, what's on today? Uh, I am trying. Bryce will be very familiar with this issue. I'm trying to get across the Westgate Bridge to get to SEN <laughs> HQ here in Melbourne to uh, to get on SEN track for the afternoon. But um, at this stage, I'm going to be late. No, that's okay. We'll tune into SEN track nonetheless. <laughs> Mate, we appreciate your time. We love everything you do. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to again. And congrats last night with the win. Good stuff, boys. And uh, well done on the new show. Apparently, uh, listenership is through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there yes, you go. Josh. You, you heard it first there. Listenership. Absolutely smashing it. Starting to see some Crows supporters filter through as well towards Adelaide Oval. Very good stuff. Um, Josh Jenkins there. Make sure you catch up on the podcast and listen to that. It's 24 minutes past 10. We'll be back in just a second to wrap it all up. Uh, doing it live from SENSA's Studio Luma. And, of course, your new Audi A3 and S3 have arrived. To find out more, visit audisolitaire.com.au. Big showers on the way for top of 16. On SENSA, the Saturday morning show. The Audi Q5 has been regarded for its popularity in the mid-sized luxury SUV category. Uh, make sure you visit the Solitaire Audi crew. Test drive the new A3 and S3. It's been a very, very big show this morning. Boys, uh, first it gives you what's on for the rest of the day? Very quiet. Going to stay dry, stay warm, a bit of a family day. It's not really a park day, so it might be just board games inside, I think. There you go. In five seconds or less, Tommy, what are you doing? I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to go to the, to the beach and see the waves, <laughs> jump on a bodyboard and freeze myself. Very yeah. good stuff. Catch you next week. Have a great day.